Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared White. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Rolando. Still doing that Elden Bling. Elden Bling. We, did either of us look up what the old ladies say? I don't think we did. No, I The new catchphrase. Let me see your fingers, I guess. It's the closest thing I can remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, episode 243. Once again, not a whole lot of news this week. Got a couple of uh, interesting things related to CD Projekt Red. Got a video game announcement. And then uh, I have this presentation I put together. Presentations may be too strong of a word. I have this thing put together that we'll go through that I thought was worth it. And uh, something that we might continue whenever there's other slow news weeks. It kind of gives us... A bit of an information bump, and you'll see what that is. First up, on the rundown in the quickie news, we have some Witcher 3 news. The next-gen uh, version of the game that's going to come out, it's going to be free, has been delayed. Uh, it was originally uh, slated for Q2 2022, and CD Projekt Red came out and said it's being delayed indefinitely. No new date there. Uh, but the project has moved back to sole in-house development. Uh, one thing I think a lot of people didn't know with this project is it was being outsourced to uh, Witcher 3 modders. It was the modding community that CD Projekt Red had kind of hired to do this stuff, and um, very clearly seems like that wasn't working out too well. Uh, we so talked about maybe... Was it Saber Interactive? They're modders? Well, it was Saber Interactive, and they also hired on mods from The Witcher 3 to work on the project as well. It was like a collaborative effort. It was like, uh. so it was it was CD Projekt Red working with Saber, but CD Projekt Red hired the modders to work on it, if that makes sense. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and obviously with Saber Interactive as well, not, not that working. They bring it in-house. Um, we talked about maybe a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what it was for. Maybe it was when I was starting up Cyberpunk. That I wanted to get around to playing and finishing Witcher 3 because you said you hadn't done the DLC yet, the last DLC, and I hadn't gone past like the opening area. Um, so we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. As you also said earlier in the episode, we're still playing Elden Ring, so there's plenty of time there. No yeah. rush. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think this maybe is a reactionary thing, not like immediately reactionary, but overall reactionary to the response to cyberpunk where I think maybe CD project red is in this area now where they don't want to take big risks of having this stuff outsourced if they're not fully confident in it. And maybe they were looking at the progress and being like, this isn't looking bad, but it isn't maybe up to the standards that people are going to expect from it. I don't know. They might be just very cautious at this point. And it's like, Oh, I'll just move it in house because we'd rather have the blame on ourselves than have another issue on our hands. Right. That's what I can maybe assume. Yeah, this is kind of a a bummer, but like you said, there's plenty, plenty going on in the meantime. Yeah, I I wonder if it is like, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine. It's one of those things where like apparently I I underestimate and I don't have nearly enough of an idea of what game dev is like as I think I do, because I'm picturing this is a remaster. This should be, you know, easier than a new game, and you know, like give us some higher fidelity modes and performance modes and you know, add some textures, things like that. I don't know, I'm making that sound really easy. It's got to be more complicated. But compared to a whole new game, I'm surprised, you know, that they're having trouble with this. Not necessarily that it's just taking more time, but they're having enough trouble to where they're, you know, switching dev teams and taking over themselves. So that's curious. Um, who knows well, what, you know, what the real, you know, specific reason is, but it's interesting. 
but they also use a proprietary engine, and they're moving off of that to Unreal Engine 5 for the next Witcher right. game. Yeah. So I wonder if that was the issue too, or not only are you outsourcing this project to somebody else, they're not working in like a universal engine. And maybe even with CD Projekt Red handling it themselves, it's not as easy as we'd assume as if they were working mm-hmm. on an Unreal Engine to do all of this stuff, right? So who knows? We'll see what happens. Because yeah, you, you would assume that it wouldn't take as much time as actually developing a new game or making a complete remake. But we saw how many issues Cyberpunk had at launch, right? And that's under the same engine. And that had years of development. So who knows? But we'll see it when it gets here. I'm assuming, Dom, that it could possibly still come out this year. But I think at latest we should expect Q2 next year, probably, right? In that, like, Mm -hmm. February to April range. Uh, That'd be a nice spot for it, depending on, obviously, what releases. If it's Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 or something else. Uh, next up, we have some more CD Projekt Red news because they're pretty much some of the only news that happened this week. We have some sales numbers that come straight from them. So all of these numbers are as of April 2022, the 14th. So basically halfway through the month we're currently in. Uh, the Witcher as a series has sold 65 million copies, which is pretty impressive. So that's Witcher 1, 2, and 3. Um, to that point, The Witcher 3, specifically The Wild Hunt, uh, accounts for 40 million of those sales, which is pretty impressive. That's two-thirds, uh, a little less than two-thirds of the overall franchise sales. That doesn't surprise you, right, especially with all the DLC and how beloved that game was? To be honest, I thought it'd be a little higher percentage, um, just because that was that's where I feel like that series really blew up, but also it was on more platforms um, with The Witcher 3. I think the first two games, the first game, I think it's only PC. The second game moved up to... PC and Xbox 360, you know. But I think the Xbox 360 version came out like years after its initial release. I'm pretty right. sure. Yeah, and it was a bit later. But then, yeah, for The Witcher 3, not only did it explode in popularity, but it was on Xbox, PlayStation, and then eventually the Switch even, which is interesting too. Well, I'd love a breakdown of by year how many sales happen because the thing too is like, yeah, you would assume it to be more than two-thirds of that total sales. But retroactively, how many of those first two games did Witcher 3 sell? Where people played Witcher 3, they're like, oh, I want to play the first two games. Yeah. I went back and purchased them as well. Good so, point. Yeah. Um, with those sales, obviously those are very impressive. Not so much good news on the Cyberpunk front. Cyberpunk 2077, uh, as of April 2022, has sold 18 million units. Now you're saying, oh, that's actually a really good number. Sure. Um, but Imran Khan of Fanbyte, who's also appeared on Kind of Funny and numerous other gaming industry-related podcasts and stuff, uh, he had a pretty good uh, point in a quote tweet he had following this tweet about cyberpunk sales. He said, by January 2021, the game sold 14 million copies. So 4 million in a year and some change is a number a lot of games would kill for, but at this level of development cost and marketing, I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point that out of the 18 million, Cyberpunk sold 14 million in its first year. And since then, in almost two years, it's only sold 4 million. And it's, we often talk about like, you know, when a game has a botched launch, how much does it really affect sales? Like, is it going to tank it? Is it a big enough property and IP that people are just going to buy it regardless? And to me, it seems like this did hurt Cyberpunk quite a bit, and we don't even know the ramifications, Dom, of the other entertainment properties that were going to come out. Remember, they had like an anime uh, schedule, they had all of this other stuff scheduled, and to Enron's point, like, yeah, 
14 million in, in a year and 18 million overall is really good, but with the budget that this game had and the development costs and all that, it's kind of worrisome, right, for the future of Cyberpunk long term. I mean, at the very least, we know for sure it it could it would it, it could have sold more, right, if it didn't have the launch yeah. to have. So at the very least, it didn't reach its potential. Maybe it still sold enough to be, you know, somewhat profitable, but yeah, I think I'd agree with Imran where you're kind of like yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of sales, but you still don't feel great about it. And I also wonder there were a lot of returns. Uh, you know, even even yeah. PlayStation was allowing returns for people who bought this game. And are those you know subtracted from the total sales in this figure? Um, and how many were there? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it makes I mean, how much did it cost just to have Keanu Reeves in this game? Because <laughs> uh, he was in a lot of the game. I, I guess I'll say. Or even like the post-launch development costs, right? Those might have drastically yeah. shot up based on they they probably were exceeding the expectations CD Projekt Red might have had initially, and then obviously they had to move a lot of their force to working on it and fixing all of the issues. It is weird, like so. Does the sale constitute as a transaction? But even if it's returned, does it still count? So hypothetically, could it have sold eighteen million, but there's only fourteen million active right. owners of the game, right, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting how that digital marketplace works, but also yeah, with that the post-launch and even pre-launch too. The other cost is like people, right? Like how much crunch. Um, we, you know, we we heard a lot of terrible stories about what it was like working there, and I'm sure they lost a lot of talent. And that's probably like we talked about a few weeks ago. Part of the reason why they're moving the next game to, to Unreal Engine to try to recoup some of that talent, but like that's a huge cost on all your employees too. Even the ones that do stay. Like they're gonna be burned out, and who knows? Like, it's so the the costs are not just financial in that sense, but your to your workforce too, and and your you know your ongoing image, right? That's a that's a problem. So yeah, that I don't know that this is all fine and dandy and celebration, you know, as they might have us think by reporting these sales. Well, to me, it's like it. I guarantee you, the plan was. If we want to report these, let's just do them all together because Cyberpunk on its own doesn't look great. But when you pair it with also announced, because these are all announced in a series of tweets on, within like minutes of each other. So it's like, let's put out the Witcher sales, the Witcher 3 sales. And let's just sneak in the Cyberpunk ones. Let's just throw, let's sprinkle them in a little bit there at the end. Um, and I, I thought Imran Khan's point was really good of like the initial sales and then seeing afterwards when they had their last title sell 40 million plus units. It's like, there's a drastic difference there. We're not talking about an, a small indie studio. We're talking about one of the biggest AAA Western developers in the world in terms of sales success. So, Oh, and then we'll the last thing there. is a lot of those – this game was discounted early, earlier than it would have been if it had a rougher launch, right? So obviously that for sure is a sales figure, but if you bought it for $10, $20, like, I think it went down to 5 bucks last week. you know. Um, so, yeah, like revenue And it also wasn't on sales. PSN for months, right? Yeah, that's what I imagine it should have been. It, that's wild that that even happened. Like, that's unprecedented for a game, you know, with this scope and that, like, you know, from a publisher that big or a developer that big and everything. Like, so, yeah, obviously a lot of missed sales when, it, when you literally couldn't buy it from the PlayStation Store. Yeah. Oh, and I think a lot of that was because of the return policies that Sony tends to have, which aren't, like, super user-friendly. And when you get a game that's, like, no, everyone is wanting to return it. You're like, instead of dealing with this issue, let's just not sell it. You know, yeah. I think that also played a pretty big part in it too. Um, 
we'll see what happens. I'm interested to get back to Cyberpunk, but I'm not excited to. Like, I it's more of like a what do they call that? Um, uh, what is it called when you're interested in like seeing like a car crash or like a what do they call? There's no term for that. Uh, like a beautiful disaster or something. I, no, I it's still, like uh, I still recommend sorry. it for people who are into RPGs at least at this state, and if you have the newer consoles, mostly because it's not super long. You know, it's, I think they can't, I, I think I spent less than 20 hours overall, and I feel like I did quite a bit. Um, and there's some cool stuff. It's not the best thing, but, you know, it's not a huge commitment either. And so if you're into RPG, you know, if you're into Fallout and, you know, different RPG games like that, I'd still recommend it, despite all this <laughs> nonsense we've yeah. been talking about it. It's just it's one of those things with this game that's kind of like how I feel with a lot of TV shows where there's so much out there to entertain yourself with that it's yeah. often not that sevens are bad games, but it's hard to justify spending time with a game that's okay when you have so many other things that you want to get to, you know? Like, exactly. there's so much out there. Um, let's get to this Kingdom Hearts 4 reveal. Yes, Kingdom Hearts 4 was announced. Uh, so during a Japanese live stream celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Kingdom Hearts franchise, a fourth mainline installment in Square Enix's Disney hybrid series was announced. Here are all the details discovered in the reveal trailer. They also talked about some mobile game. I, it didn't look that interesting, so I didn't really write it down. Uh, the first bit uh, is that this is going to be a new story arc, the Lost Masters arc. And there's a lot of like Kingdom Hearts lore that goes along with this that we don't necessarily need to get into. I was look, reading it, and I was confused. It was like the Master of Masters and all of this stuff that I was kind of thrown off by. I don't know if you have anything to say about it being a new story arc and what that means for your level of interest, Tom, or if you want to move on to the next detail. It's up to you. Not really, yeah. I don't, who knows what it means? I guess it's it's probably a good thing. I mean, it can't you know, help base set a baseline for like a, yeah, what the series is about going forward because obviously things get a bit convoluted with these games, so. Yeah, convoluted. That's uh, the the best word for Kingdom Hearts. Uh, next up, the two main characters we see uh, in the trailer are Sora and Strelitzia. I believe is how you pronounce that name. Uh, so obviously, people know Sora, the main character of Kingdom Hearts. But uh, Strelitzia is uh, she first appeared in Kingdom Hearts Unchained X, which was a mobile game. Is this one of the mobile games you actually played, Dom, or is this one you haven't touched yet? No, I. I think I might have downloaded a mobile game once, but I never got into any of them. It's certainly not this one either. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to watch some weird YouTube video to get caught up when this game comes out because yeah. I ain't going to play it. I'll tell you that much. Uh, one thing people were a little confused about was Sora's appearance in this new world. Is this just his new design? What's going on there? Uh, today, actually, the day we're recording this, uh, they confirmed that this is just his appearance in this world which is Quadratum, and you're wondering, what the hell is Quadratum, Jared? What is, what's going on? So this is a realistic Japan-like location from Verum Rex. Now, if that name sounds familiar, this was the fake video game in Kingdom Hearts 3 that looked like Final Fantasy that uh, uh, Rex from Toy Story was playing. And that w that game was a reference to Final Fantasy Versus 13, the game that never was. Uh, do yourself a favor and Google it and look up to the story of Final Fantasy Versus 13. Uh, but Nomura basically wanted to make that game, couldn't, and then it seems like he's getting a way to do that through Kingdom Hearts. So that's the location that's happening in uh, the trailer. It's Quadratum. It's in the video game, so it's not the real world or some weird Matrix thing going on with Kingdom Hearts. It's just another world. Um, 
Anything there you want to add on, Tom? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, next up, Sora's current state. So this is a, a, a bit of a information dump, so give me a second. Streletzia mentions Sora has been asleep for seven days in the trailer since he appeared in the city, which is Quadratum, which we just talked about. Excuse me. Which is the same amount of time that both Roxas and Ventus were in a comatose state when they lost their memories. This means that Sora may have forgotten literally everything that has happened, finding himself in this new foreign world. Because of that, Streletzia could end up fulfilling a similar role to Namini in Chain of Memories. I hope I'm saying that name right, or Namin. Uh, helping rebuild Sora as a person. And uh, Streletzia also describes Quadratum as a kind of afterlife to Sora, which is something we'll talk about with the final scene of the trailer. But yeah, you did you play Chain of Memories? Oh, actually, yeah, when it came out. I love that on GBA. I know it's not most people's favorite Kingdom Hearts game nowadays, but I, I love the hell out of that game on, on Game Boy Advance. Did So this uh, explanation of uh, the comatose and him losing his memory, does that seem familiar and make sense with Roxas and Ventus and kind of Sora going through the same thing? So not only, yes, I did play Chain of Memories. Granted, I was like 10 years old, but before Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, I like, you know, I played went back and played most of the games that I missed and did a ton of, like, watch a ton of lore videos to try to get caught up on everything and try to understand it all. And even with all of that, um, I only vaguely understand what's going on here. Like, yeah, part of Chain of Memories was, yeah, Sora doesn't have all his memories, and throughout the game you're just basically earning back and, and building that back up and that kind of thing. So, like, the concept, I yeah, it's something they've done. So, and then... um yeah, I do. I think it was Birth by Sleep, so the, originally the PSP game, where uh, or Ventus. No, that's Aqua. Aqua and Ventus. I think we're never. Mind. I'm gonna stop talking because I. It's. <laughs> I don't remember. Convoluted. Well I mean, and if you go, if you, if you really put some time into it, like there's some cool stuff in the story and the lore, but it's it's just challenging to be up to date, and I don't have a great memory. And I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not saying you're an expert by any means, just uh, obviously you've been more up to date with it than I am. Uh, so going to the whole point of Shrelzia describing Quadratum as a kind of afterlife to Sora, this new place he's in, uh, the final scene of the trailer ends with Donald and Goofy searching for someone who is revealed to most likely be Hades. We see like a blue glowing light and then they turn around and are scared and then we see a red glowing light. So obviously Hades from Hercules is the most obvious culprit. He is the lord of the afterlife uh, from the Hercules series. So this makes more sense when you think about they're likely in need of his knowledge regarding the afterlife based on Streletia's description of Quadratum uh, because they're looking for Sora and they believe he's in the afterlife, right? They've heard this place is like the afterlife. So who do you go to to find out more? Somebody who rules over a similar location. So that kind of makes sense too. Um, it, it was a weird like end teaser. The other thing I didn't mention is we see the foot of an ATST in a yes. forest location. So people think <laughs> it's the forest moon of endor uh, meaning that star wars is coming to kingdom hearts in some capacity i don't want to get my hopes up and that it's a full world because i do think that we could be faked out into it being like a small sequence in the game so i'm not gonna like get super excited yet but it is neat to see star wars finally come to this property i wonder with it being quadratum and then it being uh endor and possibly if we get a you know marvel like new york or something uh, I wonder if Kingdom Hearts three or four is gonna focus more on 
realistic in quotes locations as opposed to the more cartoony animated stuff that we've seen before do you think that's possible yeah and i'm kind of hoping for that to be honest so you talked about how sora looks a little bit different in in that world quadratum i mean he just looks oh he looks older right more like more like a human proportions smaller feet not clown shoes yeah and (laughs) and i think yeah he looks a couple years older or so and so i yeah i kind of hope that that's more of a theme and we see more of those worlds and obviously like i'd like to see star wars um they could do and hopefully it is yeah more than just you know some character interactions or summons and it actually is a whole world that would be cool even if it's just you know one or two planets or something you're on endor and i'm sick of tatooine but you know like i could see them doing something like that too um but then yeah getting like luke skywalker out here would be cool in some kind of way there i mean there's so many so many options (laughs) And then, yeah, obviously Marvel stuff could be cool, too. Like, there's so much Disney properties now that they have the potential to to use in kind of, like, consequence-free ways. Like, I, I, like, I don't think anyone's worried about, you know, Star Wars canon being ruined by the next Kingdom Hearts game or anything. You know what I mean? That's kind of yeah. low stakes as far as that kind of stuff. So I think this is there's cool opportunities they have here. So and I do hope that a lot more of the worlds they do choose are yeah maybe a bit more mature in their appearance and style that would be kind of cool like a good change of pace i think for kingdom hearts because there's even though this is the fourth game we're talking about it's actually like the 17th game or something like that yeah fourth main line but yeah Yeah. in terms of the series there's so many and you know i'm more of a laissez-faire kingdom hearts fan so my opinion doesn't hold as much ground as you are much more hardcore fan so take what i say obviously with the grain of salt but my one worry with them going towards the more mature route isn't that i'd love to see all of those disney owned worlds my worry is that we're going to see a lot more like kingdom hearts final fantasy side of things and not the disney side of things mm-hmm. and that's my worry because as we talked about in discord my attachment to kingdom hearts is solely through the disney stuff i don't give two shits about the ventus and roxas and all that stuff and I've tried. I deep dive before Kingdom Hearts 3 as well, and it was just too convoluted for me to put in enough effort to care. And people might disagree with me with that and be like, well, if you actually really want to know, you should put in the effort. And I did. I watched numerous lore videos, and believe me, I've watched plenty of from software lore videos that are as convoluted or as vague, and I find much more interest in those because, I don't know, it just... I'm worried that if they eliminate a lot more of the Disney stuff that it'll alienate somebody like me because I know there's a strong core of Kingdom Hearts fans that love all of that stuff, but I do think people forget that the reason this game tends to sell very well isn't that. It's the Disney stuff that markets this game and pushes this game. You know what I mean? The vast majority of people yeah. play it for that, not for the convoluted stuff. And with them choosing one of the worlds to be a fake world inside of Kingdom Hearts, that's why I'm a little worried. Of like, oh, is the Star Wars thing going to be one of the only non-Kingdom Hearts Final Fantasy worlds? You know, that's my worry with it. You yeah. think that's justified or no? Those worries? No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. The Disney stuff is going to sound weird, but it, it kind of kept the series grounded. You know, even when, <laughs> yeah. even if you're that's playing and, cool. you know, you don't really understand some of the minute details about the, the villains and people switching bodies and all this weird stuff that goes on in Kingdom Hearts. Like, you're always, like, you get to go to these different Disney worlds that you recognize, and, like, and that keeps you grounded. Like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, I'm in the Coliseum from Hercules, and there's Hercules, and, like, uh, Phil is there. Like, I don't think Danny... It strings you together through the major plot points that you might not fully understand. 
yeah and it just keeps everything like familiar and and comfortable and like and charming frankly and that's all it, so like i was glad to see yet yeah, donald and goofy so they're not always in these games right so that's i was happy to see them because they kind of like Sora is a cool character i'll say that some of the other protagonists like less so but it's i think this series was the best when there's you know Sora and then also donald and goofy and you're just world trotting through all the different disney planets and stuff and yeah, I'm with you. I hope it doesn't like we don't totally lose track and go deep into the Final Fantasy um super anime side of things. Um I want to make sure I would prefer there to yeah, we stick with the Disney stuff around here. I mean, at this point, I don't even know if I'd consider the stuff happening in Kingdom Hearts to be fully Final Fantasy or anime. I would just be considered to be Kingdom Hearts because it's so yeah, it's its own specifically thing now, yeah. convoluted to itself. It's like, yeah, um, we'll see what happens though. It's cool that it got announced. We'll be playing it when we're forty, which is dope. Yeah. Uh, which is great. I'm gonna celebrate my fortieth birthday playing Kingdom Hearts four. Uh, next up, so this is a thing that I made. I knew we relied on news this week, but I wanted to have a nice full show. This is gonna be a new series that we'll do whenever we're light on news, Dom. And it's basically what are they working on? And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna compile information for specific publishers, and we're gonna go through the studios they own and kind of get an update to us a refresher and everybody listening of what these studios are working on um we're going to start first with xbox game studios now to make this not be a two-hour podcast i'm only doing the xbox game Studios section in another time we'll do bethesda specifically and then obviously eventually we'll do activision blizzard when that happens and we'll do playstation and nintendo but i figured this was a nice primer so Basically, here's what's going to happen. We're going to look at all of the projects currently in development across Xbox Game Studios, numerous game developers. Like I said, excluding both ZeniMax Bethesda Studios and the assumed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, which is obviously going through a lot of hurdles through Congress and all that stuff. So the way it works is I'm going to name the studio. I'm going to say their last release, and then I'm going to give some information on their next release. And you just let me know, Dom, if you want to talk about it or if you want to move on, because some of them... Like the next Forza Motorsport, we're not going to have much to say on that, obviously. First up, 343 Industries. Their last release was Halo Infinite in 2021. They're still currently working on that. This is something interesting that came up when I was doing research, Dom. Their next release, oh, it's probably going to be the next Halo whenever that happens. In November of 2021, Jez Corden of Windows Central, who's a pretty resourceful and reliable source of information for Xbox leaks, um, reported 343 was working on, quote, another title separate from halo infinite now there's no clue whether or not this is in the halo franchise or if this is a new ip what exactly is going on but they do have a team working on a title separate of that which is interesting dom considering with halo infinite we know that their plan is to release it have a lot of post-launch content but even narrative wise that they want to release uh dlc expansions for halo infinite that provide new stories so it's not just multiplayer uh updates what would you be interested in most in terms of another title from 343? Would it be a Halo spinoff or would you want a new IP from this talented studio? I think like something new. They've done a lot of Halo. Um, yeah, I'd be curious what else, what else they want. Like what other ideas they have? Like, obviously there's like, infinite things, but I'd be curious in even like a different style of game and even like something that's not a, first person shooter i'd be that would be most interesting to me and i'd be most curious to see what else they could do i'd love for it to be something not sci-fi 
I'd love for mm-hmm. them to be able to stretch their muscles and see what they could do in a non-sci-fi world. Um, we'll see what happens. My money's probably on it being something Halo-related, but who yeah. knows? They could surprise us. You never know. And obviously, their team's huge, too, so two separate projects going at the same time doesn't worry me at all. Uh, next up, uh, with somebody who consider, you know, if 343 Industries is Xbox's 1A, this would be their 1B, which is the Coalition. So their last release was actually Gears Tactics in 2020, uh, 2020 which is, uh, you know, an RTS game, or I guess, yeah, would you define it as RTS? That's how like I a turn-based, it. Like a turn-based combat game. I still want to get to it. It looks really good. It reviewed well. Uh, that came out in 2020. Um, we've seen the uh, Rod Ferguson has left the studio. They have a new lead there at the Coalition uh, since the release of Gears Tactics. Uh, but Jeff Gr- uh, Grubb of VentureBeat reported in May of last year, which is 2021, that the studio is working on the next entry in the Gears franchise, which, duh, right, Dom? Duh. Uh, but this is something I didn't know. They're working on a new IP, which I think is really cool. So unlike the 343 stuff where we know they're working on a separate game, and we, but we don't know what it is, we do know that Coalition is not only making the next Gears, which would be Gears 6, correct? Yeah, if that's what yeah. they call it. Yeah. Uh, but they're also working on a new IP. So for you, uh, you're more caught up on the Gears franchise than I am. What do you want to see from Gears 6? And I guess the same as the last question, of like, if it's a new IP... What would you think is the most, maybe not what you want, but what is the most plausible in terms of what you think they might show? So I really like Gears, uh, really actually all the games as I look back. Like I, I love those games a lot. Four and five was even better. Like I really enjoyed five. And to be honest, like I'm there. I can't remember some of the specifics, but there's some story threads, like plenty that are still very much not done yet. So there's a lot to, a lot of story to be told still with the same characters. Um, so I'm, this isn't like a moment where we, you know, a couple of years ago, we talked about everything that Halo Infinite needs to reinvent itself and do all that. Like for gear six, I'm like, I'm, I'm super happy if it's just called gear six and it is just more gears. And it's a continuation from what's from what five was, except, you know, it, it'll look better. Maybe it's exclusive to the series X consoles and above. Right. So it's, really taking advantage of the hardware and pushing us technology-wise, I'd be really into that. I think that'd be cool. You know, I don't... I didn't get in... I've never been into the multiplayer for these games, though. That was... It was always so weird to me. I could never get into it. The third-person part of it. But, yeah, I don't have, like, super ambitious hopes uh, necessarily for for a Gear 6. I just... I think... I just... I'm ready for it in general. Um, Same protagonist, do you think? Yeah, I think uh, Kate... I think... is. What is her name and um i think laura bailey does the 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 voice um she's been super interesting and there was a guy i think they they mostly abandoned oh never mind i know what happened i remember spoilers yeah because um uh marcus phoenix phoenix's son was in four who is the primary protagonist and then you moved to to kate but his son was still in five in uh, different capacities but yeah, oh, there's cool stuff that I'm excited for. Now, it's been a while since I've thought about Gears. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love that franchise. And obviously, like, um, uh, having starred in the first couple games uh, as Dom. <laughs> um, now, I've also been in Fast and the Furious for a long time um, as Vin Diesel's character. Uh, now, that's, I mean, 
I'm I'm super pumped. It's been a minute since I thought about gear, so I'm excited to even like get the hype train, get those wheels spinning again. So I kind of forgot about it. And we recently got that Unreal Engine Five tech test from the Coalition. Uh, right. So to your point of it looking great, I think it will be an Xbox Series X showpiece. And to mm-hmm. the point of it being on Unreal Engine Five, I can't imagine it being last gen as well. We also have to remember that by the time that game comes out, we have XCloud now, where owners of Xbox Ones can probably if they have good internet obviously be able to play it through xcloud and that'll be the uh the agreement there of like yeah you can play it still but not directly um what about the new ip any ideas of what you think they might do i mean i think my one bet would be that it's going to be violent or at least have violence (laughs) in it that's as and maybe shooting are like the two things i'd be safest kind of doubling down on other than that who knows Uh, i have no yeah, I mean those are the safe bets. Maybe it's not another spin-off just because you know they they did just do Gears Tactics like you mentioned. So maybe it's not What well, is said to be a new maybe. IP. So it can't be a oh, uh, of course. it can't be a spin-off. Duh. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um I think similar to what we talked about with 343 it'd be cool to see them go just to a different genre, you know, a different setting. Would be cool. Um so instead of this, you know, gritty apocalyptic uh, you know, violent gears type stuff. What if they did, you know, like a, I'm exaggerating, but you know, just a cute colorful platformer or something. I, I don't, think what I would really case. love from them is we don't have, we've had like games that tried to do the dinosaur killing thing with the first person shooter, but not to like the triple a level. Turok's never coming back at this point. I don't know what Capcom's doing with that. Put, have them build a game where you're in lush green rainforest environments and you're just hunting dinos. Because the Coalition knows how to make shooting games feel good, and they know how to make, obviously, the chainsaw killing Gears of War is one of the best-feeling things in video games. Mm-hmm. I would love to be just shooting dinos, and it might not change the genre too much, where it'd still be a first-person or third-person shooter, sorry, but it could change the aesthetic enough to make it feel like a, its own thing, right? Where, you know, uh, Gears of War, for better or worse, is a lot of reds and grays and browns and yeah. uh, a lot of that. Obviously, there's beautiful environments in the last two entries, like the the whole ice uh, section of Gears 5. But uh, having just a rich green environment would be really dope for them. Um, we'll see. Like It's just, I'm glad that these studios, we don't know 343, but at least the Coalition, they're able to work on a new IP that's not Gears, which is dope. Because then we can get the thing where it's like back and forth, where you get like gears and you get something else interesting, uh, kind of like with like Naughty Dog or somebody else. Uh, next up, Compulsion Games. So their first release was We Happy Few in 2018. This was before Xbox purchased them. Uh, their next release is called Midnight. You're like, oh, Midnight? I've never heard of that. What the heck? Well, this was leaked as the studio's first Xbox Game Studios title in November of 2021 by Windows Central as well. Uh, and then corroborated by a bunch of other people. Um, Here are the details. It's a third-person action game set in a dark fantasy world inspired by American Southern Gothic literature. There are also mutated harpies uh, and other strange beasts roaming around the world. It's meant to be a coming-of-age story and an exclusively single-player experience. The report says it may be due for reveal or even launch in the next couple of years. This sounds cool because... Southern Gothic isn't American Southern Gothic isn't something we get all the time. It definitely gives me uh damn what's the HBO limited series that came out recently like Love Lovecraft Country I believe is the name of yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is really cool. It's something that sounds unique. 
It gives me shades of like Fallout 76, obviously with the set in West Virginia type feeling. I'm interested in it. Uh, third person action game up my alley. A dark fantasy up my alley. I know exclusively single player perks your ears down that it's not some weird multiplayer thing. Midnight, obviously we don't know if that's the project name or the final name. Here's the thing. As cool as that sounds, we just don't know what type of studio compulsion games is going to be with the budget, right? Like, we happy few from what everyone said had a lot of really dope and neat mechanics and gameplay ideas, but as a full-on experience, it just didn't... It was, you know, a six and a half to a seven, essentially. How does that change with their access to Xbox Game Studios, the budget behind them, all of that stuff? I'm very curious to see what the leap they take is. But just off the bat, this description is very interesting, right? I, re- I forgot about this. Um, but, I, yeah, I remember we did talk about it um, weeks or, I guess, months ago at this point. But, yeah, um. That sounds that sounds really cool. Feels like right up my alley, you know. So I can't wait to hear and see more of whatever this is. And yeah, we don't really. Yeah, we happy few is I guess you know okay or you know kind of a game, but I never even touched it. So if it had, if you know, if some reviewers saw like you know there's some potential here and there's some cool ideas, then absolutely based on this description, um, I'm excited to see what what compulsion has uh has going here and i i mean xbox had to have seen and phil spencer had to have seen something that got them interested enough to spend money on them right like there had to be something there and maybe they just nailed their pitch for what they would do for an xbox i don't know but i'm excited to see and i'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because yeah that there's a lot of potential in we happy few which is different than like owning a triple a studio and then their first game coming out and being a, a like a, a wet fart or a dud Whereas this was like an indie studio, I'm curious to see what that next step is. Which there's another studio that's kind of in the same ballpark there that we'll get to later. Next up, Double Fine. Obviously, their last release was the beloved here on the Controlled Interest Gamecast, Psychonauts 2. Our game of the year for 2021. Uh, Awesome game. If you haven't played yet, please play it. So their next release, we don't know yet because obviously Double Fine operates in their own space. But Tim Schafer said a couple of things about it which were interesting. So he said he wants their next game to, quote, be new and refreshing and that it won't be a sequel, um, which is, like, not that surprising, but obviously in the same sense, their last release was Psychonauts 2, so who knew? Um, and it'll be their first true Xbox game series title because people forget that Psychonauts 2 wasn't uh, exclusive uh, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was obviously funded elsewhere, So, uh, but it was obviously published by Xbox. The thing here that's interesting as well is that he said that their team has been split up into multiple teams, which isn't too rare for Double Fine. They actually often have more than one project happening at once. Um, but I will tell you this, Dom, with Sacronauts 2, like, I wasn't a huge Double Fine fan before they were acquired by Xbox, not because I didn't like their games, I just hadn't played any of their catalog. I am, like, very excited to see what's next because Sacronauts 2, uh, as evident by it being our game of the year last year, was an amazing experience and so unique and so creative that I'm just like, give me what you want to give me, Tim Schafer. I'm just waiting. I'm a hungry little kid. Give me my supper. Uh, for you, are you the same way that you're interested in what Double Fine does next solely because of what Psychonauts 2 was? Yeah, exactly. I hadn't played the first Psychonauts and kind of so came in fresh to the sequel and really, really enjoyed the hell out of it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm also, you know, 
sitting waiting for the buffet to open at whatever uh, Double Fine has next to offer. Um, I'll take their word for it. Well, and I, I think they're one of the teams that, like, they're never going to drive innovation. Uh, Sacronauts 2 didn't necessarily do that. But they fill out the catalog and give you something different. Like, you know, whatever the new IP from Gears is, we kind of, or from Coalition is, we kind of have some ideas of what it's going to be. And it's going to be a somewhat familiar experience for the most part. Same thing with the next Halo thing. Double Fine provides that interesting niche in the catalog of like, we don't know what they're going to do. And it'll be so different than other stuff in Xbox Game Studios portfolio. That's what has me excited. So we'll see what happens there. Next up, the initiative. Obviously, they don't have a last release. They haven't released anything yet. Um, what we do know is that uh, they're working on the Perfect Dark reboot, which was revealed at the Game Awards in 2020, which as we're going to get to a lot of these games where we kind of know what's going on, the reveals of these games feels a lot longer ago than they actually are, Dom. Like, for me, Perfect Dark, for it only being revealed two years ago, it feels like it's we've known about it for much longer, but obviously with the pandemic and everything going on, everything's going to feel much longer. Uh, the only update we really have is that Square Enix uh, Crystal Dynamics is currently helping on the project and that the studio is seeing a lot of departures and uh, new employees coming in, some turnover based on um, not seeing eye to eye on what the project should be. I don't have much to add here. I don't have a history with Perfect Dark. We don't know much about this game outside of it's the reboot to that, so I don't have much to add to you. No, I'm, I'm with you. Never played Perfect Dark, so we'll see. But it being single-player, stealthy type game, it, it has my interest. I just need to know more because I have no idea. Uh, next up, this is one that we actually talked about when we talked about Midnight the first time, Dom, so you might remember it. So NXL Entertainment, one of the many Western RPG studios Xbox bought. Their last release was Wasteland 3, which came out in 2020. Their next release is Project Cobalt. Do you remember that name? Sounds familiar. So this was revealed by Jez Corden in August of last year, 2021. It's said to be an FPS RPG in a steampunk setting. Uh, I don't know if that clicks any bells for you there. Uh, Jeff Grubb of VentureBee also added that they're, they're originally, when they were working on the project, were shooting for a 2023 release window. Obviously, development is difficult and things change, but that's what they originally projected it to be. And if that is the case, Dom, there's a high chance we see it this year, right? If it's coming out next yeah. year. Yeah, we should get that reveal soon, some kind of trailer. And steampunk isn't really a, a genre setting. We see a whole lot in AAA video games. There's a lot, a lot of cool, like, neat indie titles doing the steampunk thing. Yeah. But outside of, like, Bioshock Infinite, I can't really think of a game that embraced steampunk. Yeah. They're... The Order? Did The Order 1886 have steampunk elements? I, yeah, yeah, I guess. There are some goofy devices, and I suppose... <laughs> Um, it was mo a little bit more horror gothic-y maybe with the werewolves and stuff, but there's some steam, yeah, some steampunk. I don't know. I, I there was the like a Souls-like game that was sort of steampunky. I feel like from a recent year. Well, it wasn't. It right, wasn't triple A though, right? For sure. That was yeah, that was more yeah more double A at, at best. So you're you're right though that we don't really see that a whole lot. Especially with it being an FPS RPG, that has me excited. Because, like, are you going to be able to mod your gun in sick ways? Because a whole part of, like, steampunk is putting pieces together, right? And I think that'd be really cool in your armor, too. If you can maybe, uh... For me, I always love the combination of steampunk with, like, Victorian-era, like, attire and, like, architecture and stuff. 
I think that'd be really cool to see. And NXL Entertainment is a studio that's worked on a lot of like really well received RPGs, but they haven't. They are a AAA studio, but they haven't had a game come out that felt like a AAA title to general consumers. You know what I mean? They're not Obsidian Entertainment by any means in that in that light. So I really hope that this is their foray into that, where they're they become similar to a Bethesda or an Obsidian, where oh these guys make the RPGs I want to play because they've done a lot of CRPGs and like turn-based stuff, and I'm I'm excited to see what they can provide with this because they could easily do the thing where they set their RPG in a familiar territory. It's like, oh, it's a high fantasy RPG with elves and goblins and all this stuff. And sure, that could be good, but it doesn't differentiate them. If this comes out and it's an FPS RPG that's steampunk, that could really click with a lot of people and give them a unique perspective in the industry, right? That'd be really cool. So. Exciting. It's exciting. It's Xbox exciting. A lot of things going uh, on. Yeah. Next up, uh, Mojang. Last release was Minecraft Dungeons in 2020. Uh, next release is probably Minecraft and Minecraft Dungeons, the DLC and updates. Not much to add there. Uh, one thing that's interesting is they do release a lot of smaller indie like team projects that aren't huge things, but they're like mobile games or card games, which I think is cool. So they're not just like solely focused on Minecraft, Minecraft, Minecraft. It seems like their teams have some liberty to make these smaller experimental things to kind of uh, satiate their creative desires, which I think is nice. Uh, next up. Ninja Theory, one of the big boys. So Ninja Theory's last release was Bleeding Edge, the kind of failed multiplayer game in 2020. It seemed to me this is kind of like one of those deals they made with Microsoft where like, okay, we'll work on Hellblade 2, but let us release this passion project multiplayer game. And uh, I checked it out. It was fun, but it's just like in a world with so many multiplayer games and battle royales and games of service games and just regular games in general releasing every week. It just didn't have multiplayer games dumb are so crazy because they either hit or they don't like there's really no in between there and bleeding edge it had issues but i do think it was a really fun idea i'm curious to see if they come back to that world with a single player project because i thought the characters were really neat um it just the multiplayer aspect of it you know you you hit or miss and it, it was a miss unfortunately their next releases they have two uh, the first one, Project Mara. This is the one we couldn't remember. So this is an experimental game that will, quote, allow... W- sorry. An experimental game that, quote, will be a real-world and grounded representation of true mental terror and will be based heavily on research, interviews, and first-hand accounts to recreate the horrors of the mind as accurately and believably as possible. Sounds like too much. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Shit. Uh they're working with, I know that they're working with uh, mental health experts on the game. Uh, oh, it was revealed great. in January of 2020. I wonder if this is going to be a VR title. I could totally see this being a VR title. Um, but, yeah, that, it, it, it sounds like a lot. And, you know, as much as I love Ninja Theory, this is a very tough subject to tackle. And it's very sensitive for a lot of people. And to me, it seems like they're doing enough research and working with the right people to make sure it walks that line of not being disrespectful or you know I, I we'll see what happens I the mean, one that i'm super excited about i don't send saga I, hellblade 2 oh yeah of course yeah now it's in 2019 we got the last trailer at last year's game awards 2021 i still have yet to play the first game i have it downloaded it's probably going to be the first game i play after elden ring uh because like we've talked about in the last couple of weeks i've been dipping in other games the first hellblade isn't a game i want to dip into like that i want to like i'm playing it beginning to end 
So I'm waiting till after Elden Ring to make sure that's going to happen. Yeah. So what, what I was going to say is, th- so that new game they're working on sounds like, I mean, sounds like a lot like Hellblade. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but just more, more of that shit, which was some of the coolest, more, more innovative parts of that game was that and so i i i suspect i don't doubt for a second that it that it would you know be disrespectful or problematic in any kind of for way. sure yeah i do <laughs> i am concerned that it just would be too much too scary like too much like just a like that game sounds like just a giant trigger warning of like a lot of video game yeah <laughs> yeah well of like i'm sure i don't doubt it would be impressive as all hell and um but it might be a lot. Um, you might need a little bit of bravery to venture into that because that, like, already Hellblade, the first game, was a lot in that regard. And I'm excited for you to play it. There's one level in particular that very much leans into that. Super right. innovative and really cool design. Um, and I can't wait to, for you to play that, and then you can tell me if, if that stuck out to you too like it did for me. But, yeah, I'm super, like, the... The sequel for Hellblade, obviously, like, let's go. Like, bring that on. That trailer we got, man? Oh, so good. That was just nuts. Lights out. I'm so excited for that shit, too. Um, The thing I think, we might be assuming that this is a, like, Project Mara is a traditional game, and I don't know if it might be an educational tool or, like, it is an experimental thing in that it is, uh, like, a demo or, like, a... Like, I don't know if it's going to be a game that becomes an actual video game and is released at a price and people buy it and play it. You know what I mean? Who knows? Because they could shift it to be, like I said, some type of educational tool or experimental thing that isn't for profit. It's more for education, which could totally be the thing as well. Uh, next up, uh, we're almost we're, we're halfway through. So we're, we're working through them. And obviously, there's some of them we don't really need to talk about too much. Next up, Obsidian Entertainment. Last game, The Outer Worlds in 2019. Grounded Early Access in 2020. They have three games we know about. First one, Avowed, fantasy first-person RPG set in the Pillars of Eternity universe, revealed uh, in uh, July of 2020. Jeff Grubb said he wouldn't be surprised if we see it in the summer of 2022 and that it releases next year, which is really exciting. We can touch on that. The way we'll work this one, since there's three games, you could just uh, tell me which ones you're most interested in or you know, little bits about each of them. The Outer Worlds 2 was revealed in June of 2021 of last year. Uh, a new system, solar system, and a new crew are both confirmed, which I didn't know about. I just found about that with my research. Um, and it's going to be an Xbox exclusive, which is also confirmed. Xbox PC. Obviously, it's no longer being published by Private, Private Division? Division. Yep, there we go. Uh, lastly, Pentiment. This is another one we talked about in those leaks at the end of last year, Dom, uh, by Windows Central and Jez Corden in November of 2021. Players control an investigator in 16th century Europe who is looking into a, quote, grisly murder, unquote. We'll take some cues from Disco Elysium as it presents a non-combat-oriented RPG tale with a branching narrative shaped by whom you accuse and the consequences of those accusations. It's reportedly set to launch in 2022, and it's led by Fallout New Vegas and Pillars of Eternity 2 director Josh Sawyer. Dang. I mean, first of all, I didn't know that the same guy who directed Fallout New Vegas, directed Pillars of Eternity. Oh, and you know what? I'm thinking of Divinity Original Sin. Different game. But <laughs> yeah. I think people really like Pillars of Eternity as well. For sure, yeah. yeah. Um, that's This sounds really interesting. And especially the type of thing that, you know, 
coming to Game Pass, maybe I wouldn't take a risk on this if it was going to cost me 60, 70 bucks, but I am really curious and interested in, uh, in what this turns out to be. And obviously, I'm all about Obsidian, so uh, I can't wait to see more of this. Uh, what about Outer Worlds 2 and Avowed? Anything to say there, add-on? I know we're both excited for Avowed. I don't know if there's much else you can say at this point. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, both of those games I'm super excited for, too. Um, we've talked about it before, and so, yeah, like, Outer Worlds, um, the first game I really liked, it was, a, you know, I, I'm excited for the second game to hopefully carve out more of its own identity, I guess. I think we kind of talked about that. Yeah, the, like, first the first game. one's more of, like, a proof of concept, right? And the second one, we want it to yeah. be its own thing. It felt like, you know, a Fallout sequel, but if it was made in, you know, 2012 or 2013, as opposed to it being, you know, made today, which it was still very polished, but, like, mechanic-wise and gameplay-wise, I, I don't know, it didn't really, like, do anything super new and cool or, like, unique necessarily either. So, it was all really good, um, but I'm excited for a sequel for them to, like, really expand on it see what more they, they do with that ip so i'm glad it's i'm glad i'm super glad it's continuing you know that series and then obviously avowed like like who knows what we're in store for there like uh like a it kind of it, not even like elven ring but anytime like we're, we're getting a whole we're getting a new like fantasy rpg from from obsidian the people who made new vegas like I, that's that's all i needed to know and uh the the brief couple seconds we saw of that looked great and I'm super excited for this. And then, yeah, knowing that it should be here next year is tantalizing. Can't wait to see more, though, this well, summer of it. The crazy thing is we live in a world where we could potentially get a Bethesda RPG deep dive as well as another game that is essentially a Bethesda RPG and Avowed, obviously, and it can fill that Elder Scrolls itch that people have in the same time frame, which is dope because, obviously, we're going to have to wait another three, four years for the next Elder Scrolls. So it's cool to see that because Xbox owns all these studios, we can kind of get our fill of what we want from all of this stuff. It's um, like you said, Xbox is satisfying our Western RPG desires that we've been lacking lately. Exactly. Uh, all the different genres and all the different settings and all that. Uh, with Pentiment, um, it's probably a smaller scoped project. And because it's more like Disco Elysium and it's not combat focused, I could totally see a smaller team working on that and getting it out this year. That's not... Like, the idea of it coming out this year isn't shocking to me, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll see what happens there. And obviously it being led by somebody who's had a lot of success with video game uh, development in terms of being the director. I'm excited about that as well. Next up, Playground Games. Last release, Forza Horizon 5. Came out in 2021. What an excellent video game. Next up, the Fable reboot. It was revealed in July of 2020, which that's one of the ones, Dom, where I felt that it was... It's only been two years since Fable was announced. It feels like longer. Uh... All we know is that there's a new studio lead and there was major changes to its development. Not much else to say here. Uh, I love the Fable trilogy, but we have like literally nothing to go off of. So I'm just, I have nothing else to add really, right? I'm feeling, I'm assuming you're the same yeah. way. Seems like it might be a little early on still based on those changes you mentioned. But yeah, I like, um, I think I only ever played Fable 2 and 3. Yeah. But I, I'm not the most experienced with the series, but. I certainly appreciated their unique kind of humor that they have. So, yeah, curious what Playground does with this with this game. So, but yeah, it's kind of it just feels early. So, maybe what I read is that see more. Uh, some of the story stuff is, uh, and who knows if this stayed based on the changes they make. 
one of the story ideas was that a large comet hit the 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 world. I forget the name of the world in, in Fable, sorry. But a huge comet hits and like apparently like time travel is involved and stuff like that. It sounds really cool. And obviously with the comedic tones of Fable hits, it could be really fun. So we'll see what happens there. But to your point with all of the studios they have, if we weren't looking forward to Avowed and Outer Worlds 2 and, and Starfield, I'd be much more worried and bummed about Fable possibly being still earlier in development that I would like. But because of that, I'm like, okay, take your time, plans, whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <clears throat> next up, Rare. Their last release was Sea of Thieves in 2018. Uh, their next release, Everwild, speaking about a game in development hell. Uh, action-adventure game was revealed at XO19. Video Games Chronicle, as of six days ago, reported that the game has seen a complete reboot and is now targeting a 2024 release window. Which, once again, two years from now? Completely fine with that. I don't mind. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, but, like I said, it's because Xbox owns all these studios now, or we were in a different world four years ago. Uh, anything to add there? I'm assuming nothing, really. No. No, not really. Next up, Turn 10 Studios. Last release was four... This one was wild. Their last release was Forza Motorsport 7. When do you think that game came out? I thought it was 2020 alongside the Series X, right? 2017. Really? Seven? What what Forza game came out with the Series X then? None. I completely missed They showed the off the next Forza Motorsport. Okay. Dang. Remember, so here's what happened, Dom. They showed off the next Forza Motorsport. Then the year was supposed to come out, which was 2020. So they showed off in 2019. Everyone expected, okay, 2020, we're going to get the new Forza Motorsport. They delayed it because they wanted to deliver a truly next-gen experience. And then okay. in 2021, we got Horizon. So now in 2020, we're assumedly get, uh, 2022 is assumedly getting Forza Motorsport, which is a reboot. It's not going to be Forza Motorsport 8, according to uh, reports. So we'll okay. see. But yeah, five years ago. Crazy. Next up. Which it's like, I don't think those games need to release every year. It's kind of like, or every other year even. That's kind of like uh, the Madden games, obviously, in FIFA and stuff. Next up, Undead Labs. Last release was State of Decay 2 in 2018, which they still weren't an Xbox studio at that point. It was just a partnership mm -hmm. with Xbox. Now, State of Decay 3 is going to be their next release. It's going to be their first game as part of Xbox Game Studios. This game was revealed last year in July of 20, uh, 2022, or 2021, sorry. I'm excited for this. Um, solely because of what we've heard of them taking the leaps from game to game and i really think that this is going to be undead labs first next gen like triple a game whereas like state of decay the original was very much an indie game state of decay 2 was a step up from that it very much still was in that double a realm right it had a lot of rough edges and bugs and stuff and now that they're fully owned by xbox phil spencer has talked about how excited he is for this game how he he even mentioned um, their statement of we want to progress as a studio from game to game and take that next step. I really think that State of Decay 3 could be like a really solid AAA zombie game. And if it takes a lot of those resource gathering and base building into the AAA space, that could be really dope, right? Yeah, I remember I got into the first State of Decay I don't know, maybe 10 hours or so and, and bounced out, but I did have a lot of fun with it and it had some cool ideas and did some things differently. So yeah, I skipped over two, but yeah, to hear you know what they're going for as a studio and the kind of games, like, yeah, like you said, how they're trying to progress and how, you know, Phil is kind of on board with that too. Yeah, I think, I think this, yeah, three could be, could be something like especially cool. 
Yeah, let's well, party this year. Yeah, I think Undead Labs and Compulsion Games are both in a place where yeah, they have really dope proof of concepts. This is their leap into the big boy leagues. This is their leap 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 into the majors, and we I, I hope they deliver. Who knows if they will? The thing I, I noticed too, Dom, is I went back and watched. You remember the reveal trailer for uh, State of Decay Two? Yeah, it was, it was really that cool. car on the, the road. Car, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it looked cool, but you could very much tell it was a lower budget game, right? Like the animations were a little hokey. It was a little whatever. Then I went and watched the State of Decay Three reveal trailer, and this thing is a triple A cinematic of this lady hunter in the woods, and she hears yeah. screaming. And she's like, what is that? And she's trying to figure out what kind of animal it is. And she comes upon like a zombified deer, terrifying looking. Uh, and that to me, that shift shows me that not only is there a tonal shift in the game, whereas two is a little bit more comedic. And this one seems a lot more horror, like, I guess more traditionally zombie in, in, in its approach. Yeah. And then obviously the cinematic level of it is what you'd expect from a triple A game. And to me, that makes your expectations set in a certain way, right? Where if you see that type of cinematic that's done really well, you're like, I kind of have expectations for the level of this game's development. So we'll see what happens. Um, the last thing I want to touch on is, so Xbox Game Studios publishing is their publishing arm. And though these next two games aren't being made by in-house studios, they're being directly published by Xbox. So I thought we should mention them as well. The first one is Contraband. This one was revealed oh, yeah. in June 2021, developed by Avalanche. The Avalanche that worked on Just Cause, Rage 2, Mad Max, not the other one. It's an open-world co-op heist experience. There was more details shed on this game that I didn't know, uh, Dom, so let's get into those. Described as, one, based entirely around vehicle combat, it's a very different type oh. of game. Two, oh. basically you plan smuggling runs and heists, then you execute them. The idea is to not kill your opponents. Three. The rep, the weapons revolve around disabling enemy vehicles, like taking out the tires, rather than going on mass killing sprees and bloodshed. Four, a more tactical kind of action game where killing is sort of seen as a last resort. So obviously we knew it was going to be an open world co-op game, and we knew it was going to be heist centric. The vehicle thing is interesting. Yeah. And I think it could really work because it's different than like something like Evolved where you have to strategically work together with your teammates to kill this boss. Here, you're working team against team. It's not asymmetric. And also, if you have a teammate who only really likes to shoot stuff or do, like, action, you can have that person be the guy focused on disabling the enemy's vehicle. Uh, or if you're somebody who just likes to drive, you can have somebody be the driver. Like, I think it could be really dope. The fact of this launching in a Game Pass helps in terms of it being a multiplayer game. It being... You know, they even describe it as a very different type of game. The problem with, uh, sorry, the bleeding edge from Ninja Theory is that though the characters were unique, it was a battle arena that was very similar to like a lot of other free-to-play multiplayer games and it wasn't all that unique. Whereas this is something that's like, I've never played a vehicle heist game where I had to, you know, get my car to the destination before the enemy does. And the fact that it's focused on disabling and stopping your enemy as opposed to killing them, I think is cool too, right? Yeah, this is like, these are some new ideas. I didn't realize some of those details either. This is, it's got, I don't know if it's going to be for me, but it's certainly more interesting now. <laughs> some, some totally different than anything we've really gotten that I'm aware of. Um, yeah, this, this could be something interesting. This could, pro if it works well, this could kill on Twitch too. 
like stream oh, teams against stream teams, right? Like a, a group of four popular streamers going against another group of four popular streamers. I think that's baked in to be a pretty popular streaming game if it nails it as Good well. Point. Yeah. The next one is one I didn't know about. Did you have you ever heard of As Dusk Falls? That actually sounds familiar, but I can't place it. So this is being developed by a new indie UK studio called Interior Night. Uh, and they actually they have a quote about why they formed their studio, and you're gonna love this. They formed it to produce, quote, rich narrative games and experiences for people who love shows like Breaking Bad or Fargo. Right oh. there, I'm like, you got me at okay. Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, so the game, they even have a description for the game, too, which sounds cool. The game is a multi-generational story about two families whose trajectories collide in the Arizona desert in 1999. Oh, interesting. Okay. I So there I, I sense the Fargo and Breaking Bad vibes, right? Like something yep. happens in that desert that... Both of these families are affected by it for the rest of time. Multi-generational. So obviously it's going to be taking course over multiple decades probably. Uh, really interesting. Obviously this doesn't sound like it's going to be a triple A game. It's going to be more of like a narrative driven experience. But I mean, based on what the studio was developed to do or, or, you know, brought together to do. And then what this game is being pitched as give me a trailer and sell me on it. Cause I'm already, my ears interested. I'm, I'm very excited to see what this could possibly be. Absolutely. Yeah, I've never heard it before. I was just doing my research today, and when I was looking at Xbox Game Studios Publishing, obviously a lot of the games they're publishing are the ones we talked about from their actual in-house studios. These two were ones we uh, didn't didn't see. The other one I wanted to mention is there was a recent announcement that Creative Assembly is working on a Halo project, uh, which was announced like last week. Creative Assembly has obviously worked with 343 and Xbox before on Halo Wars and even one of the remakes, I think maybe Halo Combat Evolved. So that's interesting as well. Like I said, in the future, we'll be doing this again, talking about PlayStation Studios, Bethesda specifically, and all of that. I just thought on a, on a slow news week, Dom, let's get a refresher. Let's get caught up with what's happening with Xbox Game Studios so we kind of have an idea moving forward in terms of what yeah. we might see in the coming years, right? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it is a good refresher and then a reminder of you know some, some of those details that we hadn't picked up on since like the initial re- uh, announcements of some of these games. Yeah, or even new details we weren't privy of, right, that came out between yeah. the last time we talked about him. That's it for the news. In terms of what we've been playing, for me, it's more Eldering. My level uh, hour update, level 91, 50 hours, I believe. So, chugging along. In terms of specifics, I won't get too specific, so I'm not going to spoil things for people. But I'm in the capital city, Dom, and I... What was the last thing I did? Um... Oh, I got to the checkpoint where you can meet the monkey guy again. Oh, the seamster guy. Yeah, yeah, because you know you have to like, come around and then open the door to open that shortcut back to the top. That's basically where I left off. Uh, I don't want to obviously spoil anything for people that are playing, but that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm at the point now where I don't know if I want to leave the capital and try roaming around other areas because it feels like I'm approaching the the end of the game. And I might be wrong about that. But it just gives me that vibe. Yeah, maybe. You'll see. You'll find out. <laughs> well, I, I want to, you can give me a definitive answer. Am I, am I close to the ending or am I fine continuing through the capital for now? I mean, I don't know necessarily. I, I don't think you're close to the ending. That, okay. I, I, yeah. But I, I have the same hesitation because it, I, there are... I think there are potentially consequences to, not consequences, but, you know, things can change 
if you proceed past you know doing certain things in the castle, gotcha I, I get what you're saying yep yeah, yeah okay i don't know for sure but after i did a certain thing i was like oh i wonder if that is gonna mean something <laughs> is that i get it there's like a major event that could happen that dictates based on what you did before yeah. in other areas i got you okay i might be wrong uh, and it might be over overthinking it but yeah uh what's your level hour update i'm up to i think 105 as the level and hours are 60 something so we're on similar paces obviously it's feels like we level up slower as we get higher so Um, that's interesting because i do agree with you but the moment I, i entered the capital i was level 85 and I just did a couple of routes and did some things, killed the thing that's in the middle of the road. Obviously, you don't want to spoil it for people. But, like... You killed that I, thing, then. Uh, the... the No, it's a minor Erd tree thing. Really? There's a tree that you could kill? Yeah, it's in the middle of one of the main roads. Yeah, it's a guy that spawns a sentry, I think is what they're called, or a sentinel, or... No, not sentinel. Those are the horse guys. Oh, like the tree spirit thing? Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those ugly, nasty things? Okay, okay. Yeah, they look like uh like uh demons from Dark Souls, the yeah. asylum demons essentially without a head. Okay. Um, I leveled up and got to ninety one because I was just killing so many things and gathering. The thing is, you find a lot of uh rune, like great runes, hero runes, which were yeah. new items entirely. So I leveled up pretty quickly, but I think, I think they intentionally put a lot of that stuff in that beginning area of the capital to get you up to speed of where you should be of like, Oh, if you're off a couple levels, here's some yeah. stuff. And I think now that I'm 91, I'm at that like soft cap wall of like, okay, now you're going to level slower. So, so did you go? In, so the capital uh, is more East. Did you explore West of the capital? Like even further West of like the rest of the Atlas plateau? Uh, I'd have to look at a map. I'm trying to figure out. It's a mountain, I guess. You would know it. It's a mountain. Yeah. I'm guessing uh, not. Is it... So, is it by the Volcano Manor? Yeah. Yeah, so I haven't gone to the Volcano Manor, but I have ran into that boss that shut me down. That's at the top of the hill in, a, like, a crater. Oh, yeah, that thing was... That was a... It was fun, though, because it was a totally different kind of boss. It took me a couple tries to, like... I haven't killed it. I can't fight it. I don't, uh, and I think it's based on our different builds because I'm oh, straight yeah. up sword and board, and you're mo- you're using magic. I'm not using magic yeah. at all. So yeah, that guy it would be tougher without. Because uh, I'm just riding around on the horse, just shooting spells at him. It's it's yeah. how different <laughs> the experience can be when I, when you're able to do that. Like open world bosses are like pretty darn easy a lot of the time because when you're on the horse, you can. <laughs> Another boss I got stalled by that I have to come back later because I can't summon ashes or anything to help me with it is uh, Nocron City, the the pair of gargoyles. Yes. Yeah, those things sucked. Oh, I cannot. Sucked. I cannot beat them. I've I've killed yeah. the first one and I just I, I I'm at a wall there, so I was like, oh, I'll come back later, or whatever. It is weird though that rape. Uh, Rajir mentions D's younger brother when you talk to him at like right before that boss fight. He doesn't talk back. He just gives you a gesture. I thought it was weird. Yeah. So who is? I don't know who. So D is the one guy who was also in the round table hold, with like the twin armor. I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know who Roger was talking about. Yeah. So D was D. Yeah, D D's younger brother is the is the monk guy that's like 
frightened right before that boss fight, like at the bottom of the stairs. And you go to or talk to him, and all he does is give you a gesture. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, that's yeah. his younger brother. Okay. Yeah. Right. I don't know what his deal was. But... Um, I have nothing else to add, because obviously, once again, I keep reminding people every week we're going to save it for a spoiler cast, but that's a weekly update. Is there anything else of note that you wanted to mention outside of your level and uh, time played? No, I'll wait until, uh, if you get to the Volcano Manor, there's some funny stuff that goes on out there. Um, I would love to know how you actually get to the manor, if you know how, because I, obviously the crater doesn't lead to it unless I'm wrong and you have to kill that boss to get to it. Yeah, you got to kill that guy. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know then. Okay. That's going to be a pain in the ass. (laughs) I'll figure out how to work that. Uh, It's weird too, because I've... Are you leveling like just strength? Or are you in dex at all? Because you could probably find like so, like a killer crossbow or something to you know help with that kind of thing. Man, the so. the bows and stuff in in from games are so bad though. I hate them. I don't know. Like I've I've been curious about trying it out because I found like a ton of really good arrows. There's different elemental arrows. Um, and I've ha- I have a ton of good crossbows that um. Uh, most of my I don't even have the strength to wield because my strength is like super low. But um, I wonder if like just for like a situational purpose, um, it might, might be- use it to try to get past it. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe not. But my strength is my highest stat. Then it's my endurance, and then uh, my health and my decks are pretty up there. They're not super high, but they're like the other two that are pretty up there. Okay. And then I think I had to put like. 10 into my intelligence for something specific. I can't even remember what. Uh, but yeah, I'm mostly using the the blood hound, blood fang. Blood. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, the curved sword. Yeah, but I might have to do something ranged because, like, you just. It's second phase when it does all, like, the meteorite based stuff, like the purple attacks, yeah. is just unfathomably difficult with just a sword. It, ugh, it's so frustrating. I haven't fought it with a mimic yet, though. I don't know if my mimic would help me or not, but who knows? Those are like hit or miss. Sometimes it's like they die in two hits, or sometimes they're just they're just running show. It's it's weird. Yeah, and obviously each of the ashes too. Like obviously people think the mimic's overpowered, which I don't necessarily agree with. And maybe it was before it got nerfed or something. Um, but like I use the wolf sometimes. I use like the skeleton dude sometimes. If I had more magic, I found some dope ashes of some other like proper name dashes i'd love to use i just don't have it for it so yeah and that's Um, actually what at this point is kind of i kind of is a criticism which is sometimes it happens in other from games but i have so many different ashes to summon um not ashes but yeah um or what do they call the summon they're just the summons right um the spirit summons i have so many so many cool looking ones but i want to level them up to be able to like you know actually get more use out of them but I, I just don't know which ones to spend all my resources on. You know, I, obviously I, I spent a bunch on the mimic to upgrade that, but otherwise I'm like, I don't know where to, you only get so many resources and like same with weapons too. And from games, like it's kind of a problem. Like you get so many cool weapons. I'm like, I want to try that out. I want to try this out, but they become, you know, when my, my main Katana now is plus nine. And so like, doesn't even, nothing else I find is going to even come close to matching that unless I, you know, farm a shit ton of stones for it um so yeah. you can only realistically have a couple weapons upgraded pretty high in a playthrough so it's like it's cool that there's all those different options out there and so many weapons in this game and so many cool for, things but yeah for me 
the reason I like the wolves and the skeleton militiamen is the wolves uh can um execute uh critical strikes and cause the, the them to get staggered, which yep. is huge because mm-hmm. they can all attack at once. Problem is they can all easily get killed in one AOE depending on how strong the boss is. Yeah, yep. That's where the militiamen come in because they're not as powerful and quick as the dogs. But I think we talked about this in a previous show. You can have them do damage, and the moment they die, you just take the aggro of the boss, and then they'll respawn. So, like, mm-hmm. they have the best longevity out of any of the ashes I've had because, uh, and they are at, it's weird. That's also the thing with Elden Ring is the name stuff is so confusing with the characters, and then so the things you summon with the bell are ashes of things. So they're called like skeletal militiamen ashes, but then you also have the ashes okay. of war, which are the special attacks that use FP on your weapons or right. like whatever. The weapon um, enhancement arts. Yeah. Yeah. But loving the game still, not burnt out. As you said too, it's like it's hard to get burned out when each area feels so unique to itself. Like, you know, you you, you enter the capital and you're like, oh, this is damn, I just had a brain fart. What's the capital from Dark Souls and then it comes back in Dark Souls three? Uh I mean Firelink Shrine, but they uh No no the Capital City. In Dark Irindale? Oh, and Orlando. And Orlando. It definitely gave me an Orlando vibes. Like, yeah, this is the shit. Mm-hmm. So, really enjoyed my time with it. Anything else before we close out? No, just, yeah, Elden Blingen. Elden Blingen. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please on head over to YouTube where you can search controlled interest. will pop right up. Subscribe so you never miss an episode of the podcast. Like the video if you enjoy it. It helps with the algorithms. Comment and let us know. Uh, what you're playing currently. Is it MLB The Show 2022? Is it Elden Ring? Is it something else entirely? Let us know in a comment. If you want to follow us audially, audially? I don't even know if that's a word. Audibly, there you go. Bingo. Uh, We don't have a subscription to Audible, but if you want to listen to us audibly, you can head on over to uh, any of the podcast services of your choice. Spotify, we're there. If you can, leave us a review. If you listen on that platform, we're on Google Play, we're on Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you want to listen, we're available. And uh, Twitter, you can find us collectively at Controlled Interest. That's C-T-R-L-I-N-T, Controlled Interest Abbreviated. And individually, you can follow Dom at OB Dom Kenobi. The O in OB is the number zero, not the letter O. And I am at Jared Weich. It's my name, J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. Other than that, we'll catch you guys next week with some more video game news and discussions, probably some more Elden Ring updates. We'll see you guys then.